0: Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary, I'm Father Reed. This week, we're going to look at the scriptures for Third Advent, or the third Sunday of Advent. So when we say the third Sunday of Advent, that's on the Sunday, and the days following it through Saturday are the scriptures that we read from the Daily Lectionary. Now, now we're in the, we're very close to, we're in the middle of the Advent season. Advent meaning coming in um, Latin, adventus. And we're waiting for the coming of the Lord, waiting for the coming of Jesus. We're waiting for the coming of the Messiah, which, I've, as all of you know, happens on Christmas Day. And so let's look at the scriptures for this week. We are in Isaiah, and we looked at Isaiah the last couple of weeks. We are in Isaiah 8, 9. We have that very famous verse in 9, 10, and we are in 2 Peter. Last week, we looked at First. Um, Peter. Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians actually in Advent 1, and then Advent 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and then 2 Thessalonians, wonderful set of scriptures. This week we're looking at 2 Peter and Jude, and then the Gospels, I want to say something about the Gospels uh, later, so I'll come back to that, but we'll be in several Gospel readings and we'll share those with you in a few minutes. Isaiah chapter 8, 16. So, uh, Isaiah is dealing with the people of uh, Israel. He's dealing with uh, being a prophet and telling them the word of the Lord. Uh, we looked at King Uzziah in chapter 6. We looked at Ahaz in chapter 7. In chapter 8, uh, I ask you to read through that, 8.16 to 9.1. Let's look at 16. Bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among the disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. And I will hope in him. He's hiding himself. I'm going to hope in him anyway. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. Eight nineteen. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, shall not a people inquire of their God? Now, if you're talking to necromancers, that is, people that uh, talk to people that have died, that's dangerous. And mediums who chirp and mutter, they really don't say anything because it's not true. Should you not inquire of God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? I mean, why talk to a dead person about what's going on in terms of daily life, and daily living. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn, verse 21. They will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? But look at verse nine of chapter, of, of the chapter in Isaiah. Chapter nine, very famous chapter, particularly around Christmas time, you'll recognize the words. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. I often quote this in my Christmas sermons. The people who walked in darkness, verse 2 of chapter 9, remember we said that they're walking in darkness at the end of chapter 8, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation, verse 3. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest and are glad as they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of the government and of peace, verse seven, there will be no end. And the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of Hosts will do this. And so here is the great prophecy of the coming of the Messiah, and, and he is going to be wonderful counselor of mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and to us a child is born. The child is going to save us. The child to be born is going to be raised up, and his messianic rule, his messianic work will save us from our sins. So there is the great ninth chapter of uh, Isaiah in all of its glory, uh, in this Christmas season. And rolling on forward, let's look at chapter 9, 18 to 10, 4. Back to s- some bad news again in verse 19. Though the wrath of the Lord of hosts, the land is scorched, and the people are like fuel for the fire, no one spares another. Verse 21 Manasseh devours Ephraim, and Ephraim devours Manasseh. Together they are against Judah for all this his anger is not turned away and his hand is stretched out still woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees and the writers who keep writing oppression to turn aside the needy from justice and rob the poor of my people of their right that widows may be their spoil verse 2 and they that they may make the fatherless their prey what will you do on the day of punishment in the ruin that will come from afar so you have this interplay throughout the scriptures between what's positive, we saw that last week in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 in the first half, of between what is negative and what is positive. In the second half of, of the last several verses of, of chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, you see the positive. In the first half, you see the negative. Okay? Here... You see the positive in chapter nine, the early parts of chapter nine, but at the end of chapter nine and the beginning of chapter ten, you see the negatives. You see the sin. Look at uh, Assyria, chapter five, uh, chapter ten, verse five. Sorry, uh, Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hands is my fury. Against the godless nation, I will send him, and against the people of my wrath, I command him. Wow, to take spoil, seize plunder, tread down. Tread them down like the mire of the streets, but he does not so intend, his heart does not so think, but it is in his heart to destroy and to cut off the nations. The wrath of God. God even used nations to go against the Lord. Shall I not do to Jerusalem, verse 11 of chapter 10, and her idols as I've done to Samaria and her images? Shall I not do the same exact thing? By the strength of my hand, I have done it. And by my wisdom, I have understanding. I've removed the boundaries of people, verse 13 of chapter 10, and plunder their treasures. You don't want to be on the wrong side of that. You don't want to be on the wrong side of the wrath of God. You You want to obey the Lord. You want to love the Lord. You want to honor the Lord. You want to be faithful to the Lord. Verse 20 of chapter 10. This is the scripture on Saturday. In that day, the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no more lean on him who struck them, but will lean on the Lord. That's what you want. You want to lean on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. So truth is a very important commodity in following God. You want to fear the Lord. You want to walk in his ways. You want to know his ways. You want to know what the truth is regarding that. And when you abdicate the truth, when you give up the truth, when you go against the Lord, when you... When you don't take the Lord seriously, then you run into all these kind of problems that the prophets share with us. Enjoy the book of Isaiah. Enjoy the good news. Enjoy the bad news. And we can learn from that by looking at history, looking at what happened to them and what God said to them. God has not changed. He is eternal. You want to keep the precepts of the Lord. You want to know what the Lord calls us to do, and you want to do it. And by His grace, we shall. Chapter 1 of 2nd Peter, This is a very, very good verse. 2 Peter has three chapters, much like 2 Thessalonians did. 2 Peter, and we're going to look at chapter 1, chapter 2, and Jude 17 to 25. But I would encourage you, if you have time, to read chapter 3. You might not know this scripture. 2 Peter is definitely not a, uh, an epistle that a lot of people know anything about. And so uh, I think you'll enjoy reading this text this week. His divine power has granted to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Okay, so we have the power of God, and that is going to give us life and godliness, and it's going to pertain to it. He's going to share with us what we need to know about life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. By which, verse 4, he has granted to us his very precious and great promises, so that through them you may be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is, that is in the world because of sinful desire. We are corrupted because of sinful desire, and we are corrupted in the world. Remember the world, the flesh, and the devil. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with virtue, with knowledge, with knowledge, with self-control, with self-control, with steadfastness. Steadfastness leads to godliness, godliness with brotherly brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Now, if these qualities, verse 8, are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Underline this scripture. You want to live a holy, godly, righteous life. You want to have knowledge. You want to grow in your faith. You want to develop your relationship with Christ. Circle 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 3-8. But look at verse 9. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, verse 11, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, what Peter is doing is he's sharing the word of God with us, and this is a wonderful word, and I'll let you continue to read on in chapter um, one, in chapter one. Now, let me read to you chapter 1, verse 20, just to make sure you know this scripture. First of all, that no prophecy of scripture came from someone's own interpretation. We don't interpret the scripture from our own interpretation. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired the words of the scriptures to people who wrote them down. And the understanding of what the scripture means is also supplied by the Holy Spirit. We cannot learn it ourselves. So you want to pray that the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding you when you are reading these scriptures on a daily basis. False prophets and teachers, chapter 2. We saw this, uh, the false teaching in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 last week in Advent 2. And so we have the false teachers that rise among us and they are dangerous. And you want to be aware of them. You want to stay away from them. And this would be very dangerous. And what he does in chapter two, he has this wonderful diatribe about evil and about wrongdoing and about judgment. And so uh, it's quite long. It's the whole chapter. And uh, so you have some very positive comments in chapter one. And remember I said last week, some positive, some negative. So there's wrath and judgment, and there's disappointment uh, in not doing the will of God, and then there's all these ways that God blesses us and God forgives us and God uh, sends the Messiah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, unto us a child is born, a son is given, and then God blesses and we fear the Lord and we follow him and do his will. So you have these two things going on throughout the scriptures, okay? And, and lots of different ways God shares that with us. Enjoy chapter 1 and chapter 2. Jude um, Jude uh, occurs after 3 John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and before Revelation. So we look at Jude 17 to 25. You must remember, beloved, verse 17, the predictions and the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you build yourself up in your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit. Again, great advice for us. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Verse 21. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have mercy on those who doubt. Another good piece of advice. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, having, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Again, the power of the flesh. The power of the flesh. And 24 and 25. Now to him who is able, kind of a benediction, to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. What a great benediction. So, a call to persevere, 17 through 23, in a doxology of benediction in 24 and 25, where they're praising God. Again, telling us what to do, telling us how to live, encouraging us to live. For those of you that want to read the beginning of Jude, we have the similar situation set up in 2 Peter where and 2 Thessalonians, versus, uh, 2, Thessalonians uh, 2 versus 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We have the judgment on the false teachers. It's not part of the lectionary reading, but you might want to read the chapter of Jude. There's only one chapter. Now, when I was talking about Luke last time, remember we were in chapter 22, and we were talking about his preparation for death because he's going to be crucified. Let's share a couple of verses here. 22, 39 to 53. 39 to 53, he prays on the Mount of Olives. He's betrayed. He is arrested. Peter, of course, does deny him, as all of you know. And... We're going to see that in that denial, he's led away. He goes to the house. He says, I don't know him. And then the rooster crows, and he went out and wept bitterly. Luke tells us that the tragedy of that was just awful. Goes out and weeps bitterly. And then Jesus is mocked. He's held before the council. And so what we see in on Monday and Tuesday, we see the scriptures from 22:39 to 69, a good 31 verses, and we see one event to the other, and eventually when we get to the 23rd chapter, which is not listed here, uh, we will not be looking at that, but if you wanted to go ahead and do some additional reading in 23, you'll see uh, that Jesus is crucified and the end of his life, he is buried. And then in chapter 24, uh, which also is not in the um, uh, daily lectionary, but again, For your reading, we look at the resurrection of Christ. And on Wednesday, we go, remember, it's the third Sunday of Advent, so a week of third Advent. So now we're, we're getting ourselves ready for Jesus coming. We go to Mark chapter 1, 1 through 8. Do you see that? Mark chapter 1. Now, Mark does not have an infancy narrative. Matthew has an infancy narrative and Mark does not. But what Mark and Matthew wanna do, and you'll see this on Thursday and Friday, and then Saturday for Luke chapter three, this is about John the Baptist. Now normally in the church calendar, the third week of Advent is about John the Baptist. Why is John the Baptist important? John the Baptist is six months older than Jesus and his cousin. And he is the one that's going to go before Jesus. Jesus begins his ministry about the age of 30. And he's going to announce the coming of his Messiah of the Messiah, and he's going to get people ready to hear his message. He's going to go before them. We call that a forerunner. He's going to go before the people. He's going to tell them to repent of their sins and to be ready for the coming of the Lord. And that's a wonderful thing for us to practice. That is, we want to hear the word of the Lord by confessing our sins, purifying ourselves, actually God purifies us, and cleanses us from our sin so that we can hear the word of God. By the power of the holy spirit as i said earlier so in mark chapter one we have the beginning of the gospel of jesus we have isaiah the prophet about sending the messenger before your face who will prepare the way this is the voice crying in the wilderness this is john the baptist and john appeared verse four and five and six and seven and eight i have baptized you with water but jesus is going to baptize with the holy spirit all right so we have the introduction on Wednesday. On Thursday, then we go to Matthew's introduction. This is Mark's introduction. Matthew 1 and 2 are an infancy narrative, as I just said. But in Matthew chapter 3, 1 through 12, in those days, John the Baptist, verse 1, came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, we saw that in Mark chapter 1. Prepare the way of the Lord, make its path straight. Okay. So you want to, it's a good series of scriptures to read. We're we're preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus and his birth. We want to prepare ourselves spiritually for that. We want to prepare our hearts for that. We want to prepare our souls for that. We want to prepare our minds for that. We want to be prepared to hear the word of the Lord. This is a great practice for all of us in this third week of Advent. And then we go to Matthew chapter 11. Well, what happens in Matthew chapter 11? Well, John the Baptist is in prison. And he hears about the deeds of Christ in verse 2. He says, are you the one to come or should we look for another? I'm sitting here in prison. Are you the one? Go and tell John what you hear and see, Jesus said, verse 4. 5, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blesses is the one who is not offended by me. And then Jesus began to speak about John the Baptist through verse 15. Enjoy that reading. Luke chapter 3, 1 through 9. Very similar to Matthew. Luke chapter 3, 1 through 9. And it's the 15th year, the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea. Herod is tetrarch of Galilee. His brother Philip is tetrarch of the region. And you go down there into verse 3. He goes into the region around the Jordan. This is John the Baptist. He proclaims a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as it is written in the book of Isaiah the prophet. And we're reading Isaiah now as part of our daily lectionary. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Okay, so in the middle of Advent, we are preparing for the way of the Lord by introducing the great John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus who goes before him. And John the Baptist, as you know, is the one that baptizes him. We'll be looking at that in Epiphany. Week of Third Advent. Have a beautiful week of reading from Isaiah and 2 Peter and Jude. Be encouraged in the faith. Think about where you are in your position before the Lord as you prepare for the coming of the Lord on Christmas Day. And the Christmas season is is close uh, upon us and it's a glorious season. Do not get lost in all the crazy things that are going on in the world. Focus on the Lord and your the coming of the Lord and your preparation for the coming of the Lord. God bless you abundantly, and next week, we're almost to Christmas, it'll be for Advent, the fourth Sunday of Advent. God bless you abundantly.